Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only. Hello and welcome to a July 28th Thursday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Garcia-Gunderson a writer for Blazers Edge and formerly the Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. Thank you for joining us once again. And just a reminder to all of you who have listened to this podcast, either for the last three weeks or just this week or just today, this is going to be our last week that we are producing the five times a week daily podcast, at least until we get closer to training camp when we have a little bit more news, a little bit more stuff to talk about. With regards to the Blazers, I mean, there's really nothing going on right now. August is like the unofficial vacation week for everybody in the NBA. You know, it's the one time that the GMs get to go on vacation and the coaches get to go on vacation. And there's really not a whole lot going on. Even the players get to squeeze out their last little bit of vacation while they're all, I'm sure, working out. But at least with the Blazers, you know, they tend to get back around Labor Day, around the the first part of September. And that's usually when we start to hear more things about the team. And then that's when we're going to start picking up the podcast to five times a week. But we will still have podcasts right here on the Locked On Blazers feed twice a week after this week. We're not going away completely. And we will be back on Mondays and Thursdays for about the next six weeks. So just, you know, still subscribe to us on iTunes, Audio Boom, the Audio Boom app. You can definitely get that. And I'm also pleased to announce that if if those if if you or anyone that you know listens to podcasts or radio through TuneIn Radio or Stitcher or Google Play, we are supposed to get we I I've been told that we're our podcasts are going to get up there very soon. We're, we're currently working on that. We've submitted our podcast to those different media platforms. So if, if you are someone who uses those different platforms to get your podcast, to get your content, we are going to have them on as many platforms as possible. But those of you who have followed the podcast or do your own podcasts, probably know the process takes a little while for some of those vendors to put our podcasts in the store. If you remember from the beginning of the podcast, when we were just on audio boom at the first week that we started, you know, we weren't on iTunes until about five days after we started the podcast. So it it does take a little while to get that done, but we will be on there. The feeds will be up there and we will be doing it twice a week for about the next six weeks after this week. So starting next week, the week of August 1st, we're going to be going back to two podcasts a week. And on today's show, which is going to be our last show of the week, I wanted to discuss where the Blazers stand now in terms of the pecking order in the Western Conference. I'm kind of piggybacking a little bit off of the ESPN summer forecast that they had out a couple of days ago. And it is projection season, and I figured that this would be a good time to kind of go through where the Blazers stand in terms of the rest of the Western Conference. Uh, I, I think that they are 
they are going to be good, I think. And ESPN also agrees that they're going to be pretty good. ESPN picked them to finish fourth in the Western Conference. But the in the projected win percentage that they had on there, or the projected win total, I think they actually sold the Blazers a little short. And, and the reason I say that is because I don't necessarily think that there's that big of a gap anymore between the Blazers and let's say the Clippers and the Spurs, the two teams that were ahead of them in those rankings. I really don't think that the gap is that big. Obviously the West in the terms of the top of the West has gotten a little bit less competitive now that Oklahoma city lost Kevin Durant and the Warriors got even better. So the gap between the Warriors and everybody else has gotten a little bit wider but I do think that the gap between the Blazers and the other teams below them and everybody else has also shortened a little bit because, you know, the Spurs, as I stated yesterday, don't have Tim Duncan anymore. And as much as we love to put coaches on a pedestal for the things that they do, you know, guys like Phil Jackson, guys like Popovich, at the end of the day, the things that set the tone for a culture come from the players. I think Terry Stotts definitely deserves a lot of credit for where the Blazers are, but you can't argue with the fact that Damian Lillard being the leader of the team, being in the gym all the time, being an inclusive leader, a guy that talks to everyone 1 through 15, no matter who they are, treats everybody with respect, wants to be held accountable you can't ignore that that brings more value that that it does bring more value than a coach. I I mean, the Blazers, yes, they have an inclusive offensive system, but if they didn't have a star in Lillard to make them feel included, instead of just having a system that says you're all included and this is how you're going to do it. And this is how you should do it. When you have someone that's leading the way, leading by example, that stuff matters more because it's, it, it, the the game, all sports mostly, but definitely basketball, comes down to the players on the court and how they interact with each other. And I think that without Duncan there, without that presence there in practice every day, I, I just I wonder if that's going to be uh, a little different this year. And obviously, we've heard all the things about the Clippers. They seem to get along well, despite the fact that you know Chris Paul doesn't really get along with a lot of people on the team. And especially, you know, the, there's always those rumors floating around about Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. But, you know, they're a really solid team. And I actually think that they'll be in, in fine shape. And I started yesterday on the podcast when I talked about why I think the Blazers will probably be better than 46 wins, which is where they're projected. They're definitely going to be better than that. I don't even think it's really a question because if you paid attention to the Blazers last year, they're definitely going to start the season better next year than they did this past year. So let's just go back to last year to, to, to just illustrate what I'm talking about in greater detail. In the fourth quarter of games, and this is, this is in the first two months of the season, so the, start of, the end of October through Christmas, and in the fourth quarter of games during that time, those first two months of the season, they were in the bottom third in the league in terms of net rating from the start of the season until Christmas. And then the after Christmas, which was the day after Christmas was kind of when they started to move up the standings after they blew out the Cavaliers when LeBron was 
either teaching them a lesson or trying to get David Blatt fired, whatever it was, the Blazers took advantage of it and it kind of, you know, pushed them. It, it, it took them on a, on a path towards making the playoffs. And that was without Damian Lillard. And, uh, yeah, no, it, it really, uh, th- that really is the, 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 the thing that got them on that path. And in clutch situations, they were actually even worse. They had the fourth worst net rating in clutch situations in the first two months of the season. And clutch games are defined at, by the NBA as games that are within five points in the last five minutes. And in those situations, they were seven and 12 and they had the first fourth worst net rating. Their net rating was more closely aligned with the Sacramento Kings and the Phoenix Suns, who both were awful last year, than the teams that they would end up being in the playoffs with. And that is something that I just don't think is going to repeat itself because I stated this yesterday, but when they have Damian Lillard there who has won and he's really the only guy, but now he's in a role that was way different than he was when he was on a team with a bunch of guys who had been around the league, like Robin Lopez, LaMarcus Aldridge, Wesley Matthews, Nicholas Batum, who had all been part of good teams before in their careers. And Lillard was uh, an important player, but he was still, you know, the second guy there. He was the second fiddle. He wasn't setting the tone. And then you have guys like CJ McCollum who are in a role where they played big minutes in the playoffs, but they had never really been counted on throughout a regular season to be a second scorer. You had Alpha Rukaminu, who never had ever played starters minutes, really, at least to the extent that he was asked or the role that he was asked to play where he would handle the ball a little bit more. He would take a lot of shots that he just wasn't taking before in his career. So you, you have to mix all those things in and you have to realize that the Blazers were so inexperienced last year that that type of start isn't going to repeat itself. And if they don't have that type of start, if they don't have to dig out of that type of hole, they can really reach that level that Neil Olshay thinks they can they can reach. And the script completely flipped in the last 51 games of the season after that 31-game 11-20 and 20 start. The Blazers were one of the best clutch teams in the NBA from, that, from the end of Christmas to the end of the season. They actually had the sixth best net rating in the clutch. And that's the same stat where it's games within five points in the last five minutes. And... That type of stuff isn't going to happen this time around, I don't think. I don't I don't think they're going to suddenly forget how to win games. I know that they're going to have to adjust and bring new guys into the fold, guys like Evan Turner, guys like Festus Azili, but those are both guys, again, that know what it's like to be on a team that is successful. I mean, Turner was on a very good Boston team last year. He was on a couple of good Philadelphia teams, and he was on the Pacers team when they were really good, uh, when they were right there battling with the Miami Heat when Roy Hibbert was still really good and they had Lance Stevenson and all that stuff. And, I, you know, the, the that time in the season when the Blazers were just losing games left and right that they had in the bag, they didn't even know what was – they didn't even know how to answer it, how to fix it because they really didn't know how to win. They didn't know what the problem was. It was a different thing every night. And I think really what it came down to is just knowing what it's like to be in that position in that – in those roles. And I think they figured that out. They don't have to do that now. And ESPN projected them to be six games back of the Clippers, but I think that gap is really going to be a lot smaller. I still think that the order that ESPN had them in is a fair order considering, you know, Golden State, I have number one. The Clippers, actually, I have number two because I just think that 
I know what I'm going to get out of no matter what, if there's injuries or they might not always get along, I know what I'm going to get from the Clippers this season because it's Chris Paul, it's Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Doc Rivers. That team knows how to win games as much as everyone likes to rag on them, myself included, for all the stuff that they do with complaining to the refs, with you know complaining and complaining and complaining. I still think they're I think they're going to be the second best team in the West next year behind Golden State and then I think the Spurs are third for me. Kawhi Leonard is still arguably the best two-way wing in the league uh on on any given night and they still have LaMarcus Aldridge who's one of the best post scorers in the league. They have a, a good system, but I I do worry about what they're going to do moving forward without Tim Duncan. And I wonder whether Kawhi Leonard or Aldridge can really, I, I wonder how they're go, how, how those two guys are going to step up to the mantle of leadership. I think Tony Parker is definitely a leader, but if Tony Parker's continues to decline, which we all have seen, I don't know if, if you can have a guy that's, you know, not necessarily the best player on the team really to be the leader. And, and I know Duncan wasn't the best player on the team in, in years past, but I still think that when he laced him up and when he had the minutes, he still, he still made those plays. And I, and, and I think that really it's going to come down to how Leonard and Aldridge respond to being, you know, really the leaders of the team. And those are two things that we haven't seen with this group yet. And so I think the Blazers are right behind them for, and then I have the Jazz 5. I have Houston 6. I think Harden is going to come back with a vengeance this season after being left off all the All-NBA teams. He really did have a disappointing season. He, I think he was justifiably left off despite the fact that he had great statistics. They made the playoffs, but he showed up to camp out of shape. His defense tailed off again. The situation with him and Howard just did not work, and I think that he deserves some blame for that, as Howard did. And... I think he's going to come back with a vengeance. It's going to be a wide open system. They're going to score a ton of points. They're going to have Ryan Anderson shooting threes. They're going to be spacing the court like crazy. They're going to have Clint Capella, who's going to be rolling to the rim, setting screens, dunking, blocking shots. He's super young. He's going to be doing all the things that they wanted Howard to do on a regular basis, but he's, it's not going to be a thing, a situation where, uh, I don't think he's going to be the type of guy to complain about that type of role. He's so young and still trying to kind of make it in the league that I think he's going to be very good in, in the center role for them. And then I have Memphis 7th, and then I have Minnesota 8th. And this might change a little bit, Get you know, if, if things happen, you know, before the season starts, I think we'll revisit this list again. But I'm really high on the Timberwolves, and I just can't imagine a Tom Thibodeau coach team not making the playoffs because they don't have a lot of shooting. And that's something that I think they, they still lack to an extent, but I thought they could have been a playoff team last year if Sam Mitchell had not been their head coach. And I know that that was a situation that was not in their control. It was a situation that happened all of a sudden. I know it was a really hard situation for them and I'm not holding that against them. I just think from what I saw from a talent perspective, they were one of the most talented teams in the league last year. And I thought that they really, if everything had gone really well for them, you know, they could have really been a playoff team in terms of their talent. I don't think that that happens with Thibodeau this time. I think he can unleash this young team defensively to be exceptional, 
with how young they are. I also think that Carl Anthony Towns is already a top three center in the league. I think by the end of next year, he'll be the best center in the league. I think he is a guy that you can trust to carry you more than I think Anthony Davis can. Although Davis has been in the league longer, he's a little bit older. I just think that Towns is so much more an anchor that you could count on to really carry you. And I really think that he is built to be a leader. And that's and I left New Orleans out. Uh, they had a really tough season with injuries, and that may not be the fairest thing to do. And I thought I thought their offseason was actually really solid. They got Buddy Heald in the draft. And I really I really like that. And I think Heald will give them a lot offensively, playing in that Eric Gordon role, except he's a little bit younger. He can give them a little bit more. I like Chick Diallo from Kansas. I really like him as a hustle guy to, to just do dirty work alongside Anthony Davis. I think that they will be solid. And I think they'll be much, I think, I mean, this is really not that hard to do. This isn't really me going out on a limb, but I think they'll definitely be better next year. I just think that Minnesota with Thibodeau is going to be a, a monster. And I think they, I think they're going to make the playoffs next year. And I know it's a fool's errand to bet against the Mavericks to miss the playoffs, but Dirk's decline, it has to happen sometime. I know he can still shoot. I know he can still take advantage of a mismatch. And I know he's still magic, and I love watching Dirk. He's one of the best players of of my lifetime. And and when I was coming into you know real NBA consciousness in the two thousands, he was he was the, he was one of the best guys out there. And I just, but I don't know if they could keep it up. I don't know if he can keep it up. I don't. And Rick Carlisle has been a magician, turning JJ Barea into an effective NBA player again, finding ways to use Raymond Felton. I'm sure he'll do better than a lot of people expect with Harrison Barnes, but I don't know if Barnes is really the star player that uh, his draft stop or his, you know, his draft position, his pedigree as a recruit leads us to believe. I think often that type of stuff can really lead us to put false expectations on guys. And I don't, I don't think that I think he'll add more defense than Chandler Parsons, but I don't know if he's really going to be able to carry the team and really take a major load off of Dirk Nowitzki. I I think that that's going to be a hard ask, and I expect them to be in the mix with Minnesota. I think New Orleans is going to be in the mix, but I just think that the thing with Minnesota to remember, which is something we saw with the Blazers last year, is that you know barring a major injury to their key guys like Wiggins or Towns or Rubio or Chris Dunn or Gorgie Diang, I, I, I think they're just going to continue to get better over the course of the season. And I think the one of the things that we may see with Dallas that we've often seen with older teams is that they tend to tail off a little bit, especially if they have, you know, they, I, they usually will start well. A team that comes to mind are the, the Knicks uh, back in the 2013 season when they had Rasheed Wallace in his last year. And they had a great record, second best record in the East, but they just tailed off so badly in the playoffs that they just couldn't keep it up. And I think of all the teams that I had listed in the playoffs, other than Minnesota, the other team I'm most unsure about is Memphis. I know they added Chandler Parsons, giving them outside shooting that they've never really had. But Mark Gasol not being able to play in the Olympics is a red flag for me. He's already a big guy. I wonder what the weight, I know he's lost a lot of weight over his career, but I wonder what that foot is going to do to his 
you know, more aggressive game that he's found uh, in in past season in the last couple of seasons where he's been more aggressive as a scorer, more assertive. They have a brand new coach that they're gonna, that he's going to have to get used to a whole new team. The whole team's going to have to get used to him and Dave Fisdale, and that that gives me a lot of hesitation. And I think the Blazers are kind of in their own tier with Utah, Oklahoma City, and I would even say you know, San Antonio and the Clippers, I think, I think all those teams are kind of in their own tier. I would even put maybe the Clippers in their own tier ahead of those teams. I'm, I really think the Clippers will do, do well next year. I really believe in them more than I believe in the Spurs, which is a weird thing to say, but the Duncan thing just makes me really hesitant. And if Oklahoma city keeps Westbrook, I think they will be a playoff team or, you know, if they either keep him, want to try and hold on to him, or they're unable to find a trade partner or whatever, but I think the Blazers are, are are right there, and I think their depth is better than almost all of those teams. If you look at their roster, you can probably say that they are three deep at every position, given the versatility of all the players on the roster. And what I mean by three deep at every position, there's guys that can play multiple positions that you can slot in and just move them around. And the Blazers might have the deepest roster in the West as it stands right now, at least in terms of guys that are rotation players, guys that you can trust, guys that you know can help you win ball games. And you look at players that have actually contributed at the NBA level that, and guys that have, have been have gotten consistent minutes before, and if you include Noah Vonley, that goes 11 deep. And if you take out Vonley, it goes 10 deep of guys the 10 deep guys, the, the first 10 I'm talking about, which are Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Alan Crabb, Maurice Harkless, Evan Turner, Al Farouk Aminu, Ed Davis, Mason Plumley, Myers Leonard, Vestas Azili. That's 10 guys. The Blazers are extremely deep, and 10 of those players that I just mentioned have all played major roles for teams that have won. I mean, David, all the guys that were on the Blazers last year did that. Evan Turner did that for the Celtics last year. Azili was a big part of the championship team with the Warriors and he was hurt this past season but he he's contributed to winning teams before he knows what that's like and you could count on him and I and I think that having players that don't mess up on their jobs is a is a huge asset to a team it it, it helps breed success and Terry Stotts prefers to play a nine-man rotation I don't doubt that when we get to Closer to the postseason, around the postseason, he's going to go back to a nine-man rotation. But he deviated from that nine-man rotation for a lot of last year because he wanted to make sure Gerald Henderson got minutes and Maurice Harkless got minutes. And the Blazers haven't come out and said it, but I think their but their depth was a was a main reason that they were successful last year. And I think that's a reason why they added more guys this year. And you look at the guys that they've added, and they can all play. I mean. Chris Kamen was a guy that you probably could have counted on, but last year was really a development year. I think they wanted to get Vonley minutes. They wanted to get his feet wet in really what was his rookie season. And the 10 guys that they that they have, the 10 veteran guys, those guys could all play without hesitation. They really would make very few mistakes. They're guys that you can count on. And you can't underestimate the power of having a bunch of players that just know how to do their jobs. A couple of years ago, the Atlanta Hawks, granted it was the Eastern Conference, but the Atlanta Hawks proved that you could win 60 games with just a bunch of B-plus players, really. I mean, and, and, and I think that they have a bunch of guys on the Blazers that are... You know, you got some a, you got some A plus, you know, you got some A guys in in Lillard and McCollum, and then you got a bunch of B plus to B players that all are mostly really solid. And I think that that is going to make the Blazers successful 
in the coming season. I think they're going to be better than 46 wins, what they're projected at. I think 50 is really a realistic target. And I think that if something happens with the Spurs, if something happens with the Clippers, you know, where, where they get multiple injuries or something like that on, on for either one of those teams, or if, if, if the absence of Duncan really means more than anybody's expecting, I think Portland would really is really in, in a good spot to get that second or third seed. And I, I really do think that the Blazers are, are going to be a force to be reckoned with next season. They're going to be a really solid team. They're going to be in position. They're so, so deep now that they've resigned Mo Harkless. I, I, and, and depth is the way to go for this team. And, and they know they can't, they can't match teams in terms of star power, even though they do have a couple of studs in Lillard McCollum they are going with with depth and hoping that they're just going to be able to have more answers for things than most teams and force teams to to try and and answer you know answer these lineups that the Blazers are going to be able to throw out there that they just don't have the personnel for i think portland has so many more personnel answers than a lot of teams and i would include the spurs in that in that conversation and even the clippers so uh, you know, I know that the, the Warriors are going to be an absolute monster, but I think after that, it's really more of a crapshoot than a lot of people are thinking. And I think w- the respect for the Spurs is is definitely warranted. But I I have a lot of my doubts now that Tim Duncan's gone, and I think Portland's going to be able to push really hard uh, next season. And 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 being a second or third seed is is not out of the question. So thank you for joining me on this. Last episode for this week of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just a reminder, there are Locked On podcasts for almost every NBA team now. Locked On Bulls, Locked On Thunder, Locked On Heat, Locked On Celtics, Locked On Clippers, Locked On NBA, hosted by the founder of the Locked On Podcast Network, David Locke, and he's also the host of Locked On Jazz. If you want to get a little insight on the Jazz, who I think are going to be Portland's biggest rival in terms of, you know, teams in the division teams that they'll have that they'll definitely be facing four times next year. That's I guess that's the one part where the division matters is that you're going to play these teams four times. And David has great insight. He's a play-by-play guy for the Utah jazz. Definitely check that out. He had Rob Mahoney on of SI.com on locked on NBA. And we're adding even more teams to our NFL locked on podcast list. We just added locked on Texans and we just added locked on NFL. So, we're going to have lots of stuff for you here on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Blazers. We're going to be going to twice a week starting next week. You can find us on iTunes, on Audio Boom. Soon you'll be able to get us on Stitcher, on TuneIn Radio, on Google Play. We're going to be all over the internet, wherever podcasts are, can be found. And we're going to keep giving you content. We're going to keep getting you some guests. We're hoping to, to lock down some really cool guests over the, the next six weeks or so until we get to training camp and the, uh, when the Blazers start doing their workouts and playing pickup and things like that. So we'll start ramping up when they do, when the NBA starts to ramp up. So enjoy the weekend. I know in Portland it's the Oregon Brewers Fest, so if you like beer and you're in Portland, enjoy that. It's it's beautiful out here. Uh, great weather. So enjoy the weekend. I hope you like the podcast. Keep coming back. Tell your friends. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter. And during that six weeks, we'll also do a lot of Twitter questions. So 
if if you have a letter you want to write, if you if you have a more detailed thing than just 140 characters, you can email us at lockedonblazers at gmail.com. Tweet at us at lockedonblazers. Tweet at me at Eric underscore Gunderson. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson for Lockdown Blazers, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining me. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.